It's Thursday, April 21st, 2022. And today we're talking about Sheertech's rips, a $100 million raise. The Ontario Teachers Pension Plan is tripling down on tech. Vetster closes a partnership and a B round. And Mr. Wonderful himself acquires Coinberry for $38.5 million. Let's get started. First up, Sheertex is ripping a $100 million raise. What does that mean and what makes this raise interesting, Alex? So normally don't like to start talking about the actual raise, but I think there's two really interesting things with this raise. The first is the lead investor. It's a $100 million round, $101 million, actually not 100 And the lead investor is H&M Group. Um, I assume you know who they are, but if you don't, they're all formerly known as Hennes Moritz. It's the Swedish retailer that does fast fashion. Um, they are known for disposable clothing and are trying to enhance their sustainability um, reputation. They've put out this $101 million, $62.25 million, very precise number. I think it's out of their investment arm called Colab. haven't been able to confirm that. Um, what's interesting, they've invested in the last two rounds, not as a lead, but they're now stepping up. And this round is, just so you know, it's being filled with other participants, including BDC Capital Women in Tech Fund which is WTF fund um, focused on women. So getting there, Arcturn Ventures, which is another Canadian fund, not well-known, but again, focused on sustainability, G2 Venture Partners, and 20 more international investors. So the first thing is the lead's very interesting. The second thing is what does what Sheertex does? They're just not another software company. We've heard of lots of large races this year, either for software or usually chips, like you know, not, not the stuff you eat, but the semiconductors. Everything else doesn't seem to get lots of attention. Here you're dealing with a company that's a textile technology company. Sheertex invented a tough material, like stronger than bulletproof material, that they use to produce tights that cannot be torn and launched as a startup focused on dominating the $2 billion USD uh, tights industry. So you're saying that this is a $100 million round for a tights company? Yes and no. Um, that's what I started off. They started off as a DDC tights company. And, you know, if you look at early videos on the web, Catherine's demonstrating how these won't rip by putting like bowling balls in them, sitting on them. Um, and they launched, they've done booming business in tights. But what they realized, their core technology is this proprietary materials that's indestructible, uh, you know, can be used in, and it wasn't being used anywhere else. And they basically invented. So they've repositioned themselves almost as a Tesla for the apparel industry saying, hey, we can create material that's more environmentally friendly that's going to last longer, um, changes sort of the disposable nature of lots of clothing. So start off as a DTC tights company is today, a, you know, uh, as I said, textile technology company. What do you think? Is there like a emerging super cluster of textile technology in Canada? Not that I know of, um, but there is, and we don't talk about this a lot, is I'd say a cluster or of deep tech companies. And I think Particularly, you see that if you you participate in some of the creative destruction labs, because like the one in Atlantic Canada focuses on ocean technology. Um, the you know there's health sciences and and there's quant. I'd say I'd put quantum in deep tech as well. But there's a lot of deep tech. You don't hear a lot about it because it's not something that anyone just goes and join. You usually have to have a scientific background. Then once something's discovered, you have to spend hundreds of millions proving that the discovery is real. Then you have to uh, commercialize it. So long lead times, it's not, you know, it's not fodder for Global Mail. Got it. So then why do you think that uh, Sheertex was founded in Canada? Well, I, I think she, uh, Sheertex is a product of Canada because Catherine, the founder, um, 
has been in this ecosystem since it started taking off. And she's a serial entrepreneur who her first summer job was a, was, was at a company called Ecobee. And then she started a company called Shop Locket in 2011. And at that time, if you remember, I remember actually seeing her demo that company presented. Um, she raised venture capital from Rogue Canada and other angels in this country. She raised also from outside. She, I think she had Peter Thiel's uh, Valor Fund in there, if I'm correct. And she built a presence in here, was really involved with the ecosystem, sold that. And then when she started Sheertex, she did a bit of the same playbook, focus on the Canadian ecosystem. And then, and also internationally, she went through CDL pro, the CDL program, got lots of attention, got lots of angels from there. She also went to YC, where she took advantage of her ability to sell and raise money. Um, and then she's been, and, and Catherine's focused on being a Canadian company. Uh, originally, it was the company was based in Muskoka, taking advantage of labor there and you know, you know, cheap, <laughs> cheap real estate to build a business. Was quickly scaling. And found that Muskoka didn't have the capital from human capital or machinery capital to do it on a knowledge base, and took advantage of Montreal. And Montreal will used to be what they used to call a schmata industry or the apparel industry. That sort of died. Um, you know, American Apparel came out of sort of believe it or not out of Montreal. So when Catherine said, "Hey, we have to go scale this company. Where can we find the capability and the machinery and the knowledge?" She ended up in Montreal and and basically got a huge factory there. Um, you know. And now she's doing $33 million in revenue based out of Montreal. It's unbelievable. Um, i super excited to follow this journey. Um, what do you think it was about Catherine and Sheertex that uh, helped her scale so quickly? Well, she, you know, let's look at what, what, what do you need for a company like this? You need capital. You need, you need to have a community. You have to be able to buy into this. Catherine is amazing at evangelizing what she was building, telling the narrative, and get, gathering attention. That's that's a first step. Yeah, I'll, I'll add, we should post this in the comments, but uh, in 2019, when I believe she raised maybe one of the first rounds of capital for the business, uh, on stage answering questions about sheer text at TechTO, the aggression with which she tried to tear her tights was, I mean, it really brought the whole key concept of it to life. And people were hooting and cheering and hollering in the crowd. And, and I think um, definitely brings that passion and evangelizes the product for sure. And, and that allows you to raise the money she needed to scale. The two other things that, are, that allowed her to raise the money and allowed her to build this company was one is solving the problem of tights, which I don't know, maybe you wear some tights, Jason, is actually, it's a big industry. I think I quoted 2 billion, but I think it's actually 2 billion pairs that sell a year, not $2 billion. So it's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a massive industry. So she was trying to solve, re, reinvent this industry. So that was that got like that was big enough originally, but then she said, turned around and said, "Look, I'm actually a textile manufacturer, technology, and I can basically do anything from tights to shoes to whatever." So it's it's a massive vision for people to get behind and let's raise the money to get to where she needs to get to. That's right. There actually is out there, Alex, uh, special limited edition Sheertex TechTO collaboration shoes, and there are some really lucky TechTO insider members that are uh, wearing those today. You know what? I still have some. Um, maybe what we'll do is bring a, you know five to ten pairs and give them away at our next in real life event. Ooh, stay tuned. Uh, May eleventh at Stacked in Toronto. What else um, was she able to do to scale so quickly? Well, I think those are the main things. But if I, you know, if I'm a founder, I'm going to look at this and say, okay, what are the opportunities? What can I learn from this? Um, first of all, just generally, we talk a lot about software in this industry. There's in the world of bits, you know, atoms. 
um, there's a lot of opportunities, but the investors are different. The venture capitalists that fund this, the sources of capital, like we don't talk about Arcturn often. So if you're going to race, if you're going to do something that requires to build something in real life, you're going to have to find a different set of venture capitalists than are normally talked about in the ecosystem. So mm -hmm. she found those investors and I got them on board. Second of all, strategic investors um, can be viewed many ways, but they can be an important source of capital. But what I think Catherine's done right here, she's built a relationship with H&M over two previous rounds where they were smaller investors and was in a position to figure out, you know, find that, hey, we can work together. We feel comfortable with them. They're the right partner to let us lead us round. So lots of people look at strategic partners as a source of capital. They want them in. But I think like every other source of capital, it's building that relationship. Um, third thing is you may have a great problem you start with, but listen to your stakeholders. And sometimes you can find an even more, better and more exciting problem to solve. Uh, people are probably reading the sheer text news this week saying, oh, Catherine's an overnight success. This is, you know, easy to do. Why is he so lucky? She's been building businesses for over a decade, has had her share of setbacks, her share of success, but it's there constantly making sure that she's getting the compounding results of being in at building businesses for over a decade. And then the last one, selling and individualizing is super important. And every founder should be focused on improving their skills on how to sell, how to get build a community, how to build support. Yeah. And, and I'm going to add, I do think there is an emerging cluster of material science in Canada. I mean, I think you've got Lululemon out West. You've got Arcteryx. You've got what they're doing at Sheertex. I think there's some amazing brands being built on. Sure. Nick's Joanna being built on uh, proprietary insights into the fabrics and the materials. So uh, don't sleep on that, Alex. I think uh, uh, material tech TO could be coming up real soon. Excellent. All right. And if you want to be the first to know about tech TO materials, you most definitely need to come and subscribe to our newsletter. These are newsletters you are going to absolutely love to open. It's going to really keep you up to date on what's happening in the Canadian tech ecosystem. And all you have to do is subscribe at techtier.org. Alex, can you give us a sneak peek into what we can expect in our inboxes tomorrow? I don't feel like giving you a sneak peek today. I think you have to just wake up early, be there, and read it. What time You're is like it going to hit our inboxes, you think? What time do I need to wake up? Well, depends on when you normally read it. We have it customized to go when you're more likely to read it. We oh. use this thing called technology to figure out when to send it. I don't know. I'm all into atoms now. I'm done with bits. We'll send you a, we'll send you a paper call, a copy. We'll print something off and send it to your house. All right. So uh, you can subscribe at techtio.org slash newsletter, or if you want a um, uh, hand-delivered paper copy from TechTO co-founder Alex Norman, uh, I will post his home address in the comments. And we'll send it via Tiny Mile. <laughs> oh, we're not allowed to do it anymore. I don't know if Shit. that's allowed. All right, next up. The Ontario Teachers Pension Plan is tripling down on tech. Who are these teachers, Alex? Well, you described I, I described them as OTPP, but yes, they're a pension plan for all those Ontario teachers. You may have someone that teaches your kid in the school. They have a pension plan, and this, these, this organization is responsible for it. What most people don't know is they're the third largest public investor in Canada. $240 billion as the assets at the end of 2021. Who are the top two? Do we know who the top two investors uh, are? I think the first one is, oh God, now you've... Uh, it's got to be CPP, no? Yeah, CPP is number one. They've got about $600 billion. And then it's got to be Omers. I think it's Omers, but I have to go check it. 
but uh, CPB is definitely one. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. I think in your line of work, you should be able to know this stuff right away. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, you know, my, my thinking is a bit cloudy this week for various reasons, but I and I know CPBIB is. So what's interesting is CPBIB is about 600 billion, and they've already done some of the steps on OTPP is doing now. Okay, so anyways, if you're wondering why Alex's uh, thinking is a little cloudy this week, you have to head over to Alex Norman's Twitter and read some of his threads. Those those things are going viral, at least viral for me and you. Okay, now, sometimes we say as a figure of speech, double down, okay? What does it mean to triple down here? So when a pension plan thinks about investing, they look at what they call asset allocation. They say X percent of this $240 billion should be invested in this asset. So... Several years ago, Ontario teacher said we're going to increase from basically you know zero or nominal amount to three percent of our assets into technology. Now they're saying we're going to do a ten. We're going to be one ten percent of our portfolio. So that means they're going to sell some stuff, or when some of their current positions like go public, they're going to reinvest and invest it in private technology companies. So there's two things happening here. It's only going from three percent to ten percent, but also the amount of pension, the amount of assets under management is expected to get to three hundred billion. So they're going from basically to having seven billion invested, seven and a half billion invested in tech private technology company to twenty-four to thirty billion dollars. That's a lot of money. What do you think's driving the shift? Is it like um the markdowns in the public markets? Is it Elon saying he wants to buy Twitter at a steal of forty-three billion? You know, I gotta I, I talk to you about that bid. We're gonna get a forty-three billion in a dollar soon, me and you. Um look, it's very simple. These these pension plans have to meet future obligations, they take current money. And have to get returns on it to meet those future obligations. And despite the downturn in technology companies, um, OTPP thinks is the best place to park money. A risk risk versus reward. They say yes. There's going to be years we're down. There's going to be years it's not great. But like they saw forty percent return on their assets last year in the space, and they believe when you look at the you know their time horizon, they can go with the volatility. And this will be a great place to get additional returns to meet their obligations. Where and where does the money actually go? Is this like that's a lot of seed round financings, right? So, uh, so I would love to say it's going to, you know, all the founders are starting something in the next little while to deploy this amount of money and to do with the skill sets they have. They are going to do late stage growth companies, and so like they've renamed the group that's investing this to uh, teachers of venture growth. So that should imply where it's going. They're writing checks into late stage growth opportunities, let's say pre-IPO or growth rounds. They want to write into individual companies in the enterprise software, logistics tech, and climate companies dealing with climate issues. And their checks are 50 million to 250. So if you imagine writing a $50 million check in the small side, it's not the seed company. Maybe it's Wabi, um, but not, not many others. Now, um, that's interesting because it comes at a moment where I think Canadian later stage companies more than ever have access to capital uh, from around the world, especially from the US. Uh, What does this actually mean for the Canadian tech community? So I'll answer that in one second. But before that, what I think people are like asking, what's OTPP's advantage? You're, You're competing against someone like Tiger or you're competing against any other late stage fund. I think what you know, in today's environment, one thing that doesn't get talked about is where does that money come from? And, you know, I've had founders ask me when I invest, do you have Chinese money? If six years ago, today they probably asked me, do I have Russian money? Do you, what's my environmental policy? Teachers, I think, can position themselves as a long-term patient investor with capital that's helping a Canadian or Ontario teachers. So it's 
look going to be looked at as favorable money. It's, it's not your blood diamond uh, uh, billionaire trying to invest in your company. So that's an advantage. Now, what does this mean for the Canadian tech ecosystem? Right now, not much. OTPP is going to invest late stage and globally. Um, the benefits of the ecosystem in the short run are more, let's call it, um, skill building. They will probably have more team members here that are deploying the capital. If they have the returns like they do right now, they set an example for many pension plans in Canada and in the U.S. So maybe you'll see other pension plans in increase their contribution to or their asset allocation to private tech. And when they do, they don't have as much money to deploy, so they don't have to write as big as checks. So like if you get to someone like uh Cat, who I think is like seven billion dollars, um, they'll probably you know putting let's say 10% at 700 million, they're not gonna want to write a bunch of 50 million dollar checks. So there's a there's two things. You get these people who have skill sets of deploying capital and they might spin off and start their own pension plans like you've seen with Omers, um starting Mavericks. You saw Mars IEF start graphite ventures. Um, and those people are, you know, their competitive advantage is the local ecosystem. Or you may have someone that has in, internally at other pension plans start investing and their their mandates are a bit more local or a bit smaller earlier stage. Um, so those, I think, are the, the long-term impact where there'll be more skills and more modeling. And then eventually, hopefully, you'll see a, a you know, trickle-down effect. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, it means that our teachers can uh, retire more comfortably. Yeah, and I guess that's good for the whole environment. Yeah, maybe maybe attract some more talent into the teaching profession too. Maybe that's good for the kids as well. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it all comes full circle for us, Alex. Maybe we can benefit from this too. Uh, you know, my my kids are an education system. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Alex has stated that as a fact. Uh, and uh, another fact is that TechTO is coming back in real life right now to a city near you we are live in toronto vancouver montreal and more and hey if you are in toronto come join us to kick off our monthly summer social series on may 11th at stacked market in downtown toronto come meet and mingle with some of the absolute brightest minds in the canadian tech scene with some great food and drinks alex i cannot wait for this one and if you haven't already you got to grab your ticket on our website at techtio.org. Well, I'm super excited because we're going to announce our 2022 rocket ship list. Mm. And you may get a preview when we announce who those speakers will be at the at, at that event because they might be on that list. Now, um, is not our nomination still open, Alex? Uh, you know, technically no, but I'll take a few nominations still. I'm still working on the list. It hasn't been finalized. It's going to be bigger than last year because... Last year, we went to angels and VCs and asked for opinion. This year, we've gone to founders. We've gone to community. And there's just a lot more going on across the country. Well, look, I'd love to see uh, if the community can pick them better than the uh, those professional angels and VCs. Uh, we'll see. I'll take Boy, it 10 years to know. It'll take us 10 years to know. Okay. Check back here, April 21st, 2032, on that next edition of TechTO Quick Takes. All right. Next up, Vetster closes a partnership and a B round who's Vetster. Yeah. So Vetster is actually a fairly new company and you know, not sure how many people are familiar with them. Maybe you are, if you have a pet, they're an online platform that connects pet owners with vet professionals over video text or audio chat. And one of their claims of differentiation is you can be very specific on what type of vet you want. You can tell them 
basically what type of animal you have, like what type of breed, you know, what type of problem is, and they'll recommend a vet based upon all this additional information. Love it. And uh, we've got two pieces of news in this headline, a partnership and a B round. What do you want to talk about first? Yeah, let's let's talk about the partnership first, because this is what I think made, made, made this round more interesting to me, just like Sheertex is a bit different. Um, part of this round announcement was PetMed Express, which is a leading online pet pharmacy in the States, is forming a strategic partnership with Vetster to get to give Vetster access to 2 million customers and 70,000 vets who use pet meds. So they're saying, hey, we're going to do a partnership. We're going to give you distribution. You're going to make our product more interesting. And, oh, by the way, we want to invest in this round you're putting together right now. And so like the round was like 30 million USD. Uh, pet med took 5 million. The other thing to note about this round that was interesting was the lead was Kensington Capital Partners, who's a fund of funds. Really interesting. Okay, so that's what makes it a little bit different for you. Um, do you want to dig into KCP a little bit and tell more? Or okay, like, let's, what, let's, what start makes, with, let's start with what, KCP and then we'll go back into this partnership after. Um, right. KCP, or Kensington Capital Partners, is a fund of funds. So what that means is they raise money for a fund and they go reinvest that in other VC funds. Now, that's a great model. It gives someone diversification of the funds they're getting into, maybe gives their investors access to funds they couldn't access directly because maybe the minimum check is $10 million. You can give KCP $10 million, you get exposure to 10 different funds. These funds, these fund of funds over time, have boosted their returns by directly investing into their portfolio companies. Sorry, their funds portfolio companies. So let's give you an example. So in this case, I know Kensington Capital Partners is an investor in BrightSpark. BrightSpark invests in Vetster. Investors talking to BrightSpark saying, Hey, we're going to lead a new round. We're going to do a new round. Who, what leads can you introduce us to? And Kensington's saying, Hey, we like this company. Let's let's invest in them directly. And, and is that a right that Kensington would get when they actually committed to the BrightSpark fund? Could be. It could be a, it could be also just a relationship saying, Hey, we want the ability to invest directly. And and so are there funds that have a strategy now of uh, doing a fund to funds just so that they get the deal flow for the later rounds to do directly? I, I think what I'd say is the fund of funds generally are all trying to do later direct investments to improve their market. They're, they're basically returns to their investors, right? And yeah. and it, and it, and it can work well for funds that aren't necessarily multi-stage, right? But right? we are seeing a lot more of the early stage now raise opportunities funds and yeah. double down on their on their winners. It's the same yeah, but, strategy. But even even Sequoia, um, they've gone they've. It could be strategic for also the funds. So Sequoia has allowed a couple of large LPs like the Ontario Teachers Pension Plans into their growth stage funds with the demand that they co-invest in specific deals they bring. Because that keeps, the let's say, the influence of the VC fund at a higher because it keeps the other the other investors in their circle of friends. Yeah. So there's many different dynamics here. And like even if you want to get um, pretty interesting here, Kensington is also invested directly into BrightSpark itself. So, um, like not, not as an LP, but as an equity LP. in the as fund, an equity holder as, a, as a GP in the fund. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think in this case, BrightSpark is probably a corporation, which, cause they do SPVs into all their deals. So they've probably said, Hey, you know, let's invest in this directly because we're going to, yeah. It sounds like a lot of financial engineering, to be honest. I'm going to stick to building companies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well, yeah. Well, maybe okay, we'll so leave that's, it there. So that's it. I think that's round. interesting there. I think that I think people who are listening just learned something new. I know I learned something new. Do you want to touch on the partnership quickly? So, yeah, like I think this partnership is actually interesting. And why does it happen? It's because of competitive pressures. You got PetMed, who's facing increasing competition from Choosy and Petco, 
who are both trying to capture a larger share of wallet by offering pet medicine or pet a pet pharmacy, you know, which they traditionally haven't. And in Petco's case, even having a pharmacy in store. Um, meanwhile, Vetster, who benefited a lot from the pandemic, uh, increased pet ownership over the last two years, everyone moving to remote consultation. I heard there's um, more dogs than kids in America. Did you hear that? Yeah, but I think that was even before pandemic. I think there may be, I, I think anyone who doesn't have a pet basically has a pet now, except for me. Um, that's a whole other discussion about I'm sure with, your kids have virtual pets, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure they've even, even taken my face and put it on the avatar as a pet. And that's kind of a whole other story as well. Um, but like, look, Vetster wasn't, had lots of headwinds, sorry, a lot of tailwinds before. They're probably facing headwinds right now. And they're facing lots of competition because they started two years ago and this, you know, empowering remote consultation for farm, uh, for um, vets was not a non-obvious idea. So there's a, like, there's a, two other well-funded companies in Canada, I'm sure there's more in the States. So both these had competition. So this partnership helps both offer a more holistic product, give them more distribution without expending lots of money. So this partnership seems like one that makes a lot of sense. Um, the, you know, and the one other interesting thing here is I don't think PetMed, this partnership makes sense without investment, but PetMed is doing a bit of a Shopify play. Hey, we're going to help you with distribution. We're going to help you crown you as a winner. We want the upside. Give us 5 million invest because if we create value, we want to capture some of that for ourselves in that form of equity. I think that's a really good win-win if that works out. That's pretty exciting. Uh, and maybe an exit path also for uh, the team. I'm not sure how much bigger PetMed is, but seems like it could be pretty cool. Yeah, I think PetMeds is publicly traded and they've been for a while, it's, but it's sort of like one of those dot-com one companies. You're looking up the market cap as we speak. Yeah, 545. Yeah, so... Uh, Brightspark's not going to be happy with that. They need something. They need something yeah. bigger. All right, so what can the TechTO community take away from this deal? What are we learning so, here? I think, first of all, strategic partnerships can be extremely valuable in helping you offer a more holistic product and helping you with distribution but you have to do them right. So what, you know, you have to ask yourself the right questions. Is this the right long-term decision? Because sometimes you get the distribution or you get the product, but you're not dependent on the partner to deliver it. So it might be a great short-term gain versus a long-term loss. Um, so is this the right strategic decision? And then it comes back, should we build this or buy it? So it comes down. And then I think those questions come down to sort of like how much capital do you have? What's the competitive nature industry? And do any of these actions hurt your long-term value or ability to raise money? So, but I think strategic partnerships, we don't see enough of them and are extremely valuable. Second of all, um, like you said, many, I say Canadian early stage teams probably don't know who to fund the funds that are in Canada. They're like Kensington, they're Northleaf, they're Harborvest. All of them now have a strategy of investing direct. They're not going to invest in your seed round, maybe not your A round, but they might lead your B round. And you're seeing them that happen more and more often if you go through the news releases. So it's time to get to know those firms and figure out how to build relationships with them. And it might they might not want just a cold introduction, but if you know that their LPs and one of your investors, you might bring it up with them and say, let's build this relationship so we can have someone else that can come to the table and invest in us. Um, then finally, some ideas are obvious and become highly competitive. As a founder, you should always be looking for ways to out-exit your competition. So like Vetster, like again, think this is a company, and when they started it, this was not like, oh, is this the next, you know, Airbnb, this just sounds crazy. This is like, okay, this is a no-brainer. If it's a no-brainer idea, you can bet there's 5, 10, 20, 100 other teams raising money. So it comes down to execution. And you have to be smarter than everyone else and better, more focused on execution to win that space. So it's a different mentality than lots of, you know, sometimes it's the idea, sometimes it's all about execution. It's usually a mix of the two. And this time, I think this is all about execution. 
Yeah, I'm not sure execution's all about being smart, though. You said being smarter than everybody else. It might be about be- making better decisions. Okay, better Could decisions. Be about, sometimes it's the hustle of, uh, of of figuring out what works. But I hear you. Execution is hard. I know that's why you're that's why you're just the money man. All right. Yeah. Okay, we got one more piece of news that I'm excited to chat about today. Uh, it's about Wonderfy. They've entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Coinberry for $38.5 million out of Toronto. What do you think of this one, Alex? Well, this is a couple months after buying BitBuy. Okay. Um, what's interesting here, you know, we, we, sometimes we make predictions. We don't always get them right, but this is one we definitely called. If you go back a few months ago and listen to our old podcast or watch our old YouTubes, I think it was like three weeks in a row, there was crypto trading companies that raised 10 to 20 to $50 million rounds. And we said, that this doesn't make sense. Um, there was increasing regulatory pressure, lots more money being thrown at a finite number of customers, and the space seemed to be getting crowded. Um, we've seen more regulatory pressure since then. And we've seen, um, customer, we hear customer acquisition costs of new customers are going up. So what's happening now? The consolidation is starting to occur. Um, there's only six platforms that have regulatory uh, approval. Now three of them are with Wonderfy, BitBuy, and Coinberry. So there's a bunch of other guys that aren't regulated. I don't know what they're going to go for. And the question is, you know, which I have is, what you know, this is not the company I would thought would be the consolidator in the space. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> yeah, so you called the consolidation. I love that. Great call, Alex. Uh, I think the other thing that we flagged is, what the heck is going on at Wonderfy? And if you're the team at BitBuy, you had this headline deal, 160, 200 million, whatever the heck they said. And the company that bought you is now worth less than 100 million. And they're buying their competitor, <laughs> Coinberry, for another headline price of 38 and a half on a market cap company, entire market cap company of $90 million. Something doesn't smell right here. And uh, the problem with that is that in the crypto space, man, like there's been so many bad smells that have turned into horrible, horrible stories. Uh, Not just of companies that have failed, but of end consumers that lose their money, of entire improprieties that happen. I know these guys are uh, trying to get regulated and trying to clean it up. Like I I don't, uh, this is also a brand new regulatory system. And uh, some people are going to try to adhere to it and they're not going to win. And uh, I don't know what Mr. Wonderful has up his sleeve, but I don't think the markets are loving what he's doing. And if you're the management team at one of these companies being acquired, you got to think, am I on Am I on the losing ship here? Well, first of all, I have to put the typical caveat. This is not investment advice. <laughs> We're not saying anything about the share price. You should you buy, you should sell. Um, but I, I'd like to go further than this. In crypto, you've got, you know, you got Wonderfy who's publicly traded at like a 95 million market cap. Um I think this if you're if you see an industry that needs to consolidate because it's highly competitive, you need capital. And my guess is a lot of private companies have a lot more capital and a lot more ability to invest in the growth here. So even at if you take everything at face value, say everything's kosher, everything's good, is this the right strategy? You have three brands to support with a company that's market cap 100 million. So I don't know what cash they have on their balance sheet. But if you if you unless you believe this is going to just become highly profitable right now, um, this this sounds like you know you're you're not necessarily consulting a bunch of winners together. You know, if anything, I think the profitable uh, height has passed. You know, the everyone was locked inside and enjoying the crypto gambling. Like, I don't I don't know. I'm looking so, at uh yeah yeah. Well, look, trading volume may be down, but trading is 
very profitable for the traditionally, even like, like, it, you know, there's always a good margin that, you know, hypothetically, if this industry consolidates, it'll be a good margin. If there's more, there's more competitors, I'll put the margin down. But yeah, like, I think the volumes down is definitely down from a year ago. The trading volume. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think it'll ebb and flow. Maybe it'll become hot. You know, it's funny enough. I'm sure when um, prices go up, trading goes up and when prices go down, trading goes down. <laughs> so, so, so Jason, should we start a, uh, you know, crypto exchange and see if we can get a buyer? Uh, if you're interested in holding WonderFi stock, then yeah, I think that's a great idea. We could own a billion dollars of WonderFi stock if we started a crypto trading company, I'm sure, but uh, I'm not sure what that's going to do. <laughs> All right. Not investment advice. Uh, my man, Alex, that was awesome. Uh, thanks for bringing this up and I'm happy that we were able to cover this one again. Any other parting thoughts you wanted to share? No, um, just make sure your trades are profitable. <laughs> well, I just wanted to show that yesterday, uh, we had an awesome event in Toronto. We had the TechTO Insider Members Co-working Day with everyone working from home. Uh, we thought we'd bring the community together, just do some work in the same place. And so the TechTO team spent the day at Startwell in downtown Toronto for that special Insider Co-working Day, followed by uh, some food and beverages. And hey, we're going to be doing that more often. So if you want access to more cool events and opportunities just like that one, you got to check out the TechTO Insiders community. Alex and I are there every single day answering questions, making connections, and helping to grow you and your business. Alex, what's been your favorite insider interaction this week? I think it's, uh, you know, I would have would have been yesterday if I was there in person. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing people in person yet right now. All right. What about tonight? Are you coming out tonight? I'm going to try to. We'll see how I feel. Uh, but And also if my wife just says like, yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right. Again, if you don't know what we're talking about, head over to Alex's Twitter. Give it a like. It's Keep not that exciting. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, thanks, Alex. Holy cow. What a week in Canadian tech. If you haven't already, you got to like and subscribe to TechTO wherever you're watching or listening. And we'll see you in the TechTO Insider Membership Community.